A lot can happen as time passes. Things change. You're not the same person you used to be. Life just looks different. Think about life five years from now. What will you be like? What will your life look like? What about us as a church? What will happen at NCC? Well, God has given us a clear picture of what will take place here at NCC in the next five years. And it's big. God's leading us to a place that we've never been before, to growth that we've never seen before, to growth that's not just additional, but growth that multiplies. We are the church. And as we step into this new season, God is calling each of us to multiply. NCC, how's everyone doing this morning? Good? You guys survived the cold weather and made it out, so it is good to see each of you here. I know we mentioned this a moment ago, but if this is your first Sunday at New Community Church, if you're our guest, or maybe if you're watching this later this week online and you're tuning in for the first time, we just want to welcome you. And if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, my name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church, and we're so glad that you're with us and that you're starting this year off with us. And just as we've mentioned, we're launching into this series called Multiply. And we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at what God has in store for us. And what you're about to hear both this Sunday and over the the course of the next few weeks, it really started last spring. And we began to look together as the pastoral staff, as the leadership of the church, what God was calling us to. And we knew that we were approaching 2020, not just a new year, but a new decade. And so we began to ask that question, God, what is it that you want to do in NCC? One of our declarations is we move forward. And so we never want to be the church that just kind of sits back where we get comfortable, where we just kind of coast. We always want to be asking God, God, what do you have next? What's on the horizon, Lord? What is it that you're challenging us with? I remember a number of years ago, I read a book, and this quote from it stuck with me. It said, most of us overestimate what we can accomplish in one year and underestimate what we can do in five. We set all of these New Year's goals, and so sometimes we're just looking at a year at a time, but we wanted to begin to look at, God, what do you want to do? How are you challenging us? What's the next horizon, God? What's that next goal that you're calling us to as a church? What is it that you could accomplish inside of our church over the course of five years? What could NCC look like in 2025? That's the question that we begin to ask. And so if you were here with us last October, you may remember that we took a Sunday morning throughout the week we were praying, and our leadership team, we went away for the weekend, and we began to wrestle through that question, God, what should the next five years look like? God, what is it that you're speaking to NCC? What is it that you're challenging us with? And it was such an amazing time as our leadership team, the board, the spiritual directors, the staff, as we all came together because God was putting the same thing on our hearts. And that was to continue to reach more families, to impact kids and students, to reach out into our community and to see lives change. And as we looked at this growth that we believe that God wants to bring, we've never just been about getting people to sit in a seat on a Sunday morning. We've never just been comfortable with saying, well, well, let's just pack out a room and we'll be satisfied with that. 
we've looked at life change. And God, how do you want to transform us? How do you want to change us? And so as we talked as a leadership team, we landed on some of the last words that Jesus spoke, and that is, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And so we began to wrestle with this idea, what if for the next five years, we just focus in on that idea? What if we became a church and we were passionate about that, and we just looked at, God, our time, our energy, our resources, everyone that calls NCC their church home, God, could you challenge us? Could we challenge one another to go and make disciples for the next five years? God, we just focus in on that, and Lord, we see what happens as you begin to do that. And so as we thought and we kind of played that idea out, go and make disciples, five years, Lord, you're calling each of us to do that. What will that mean for our church? And we've never wanted to become a church that's so large that you're just kind of a face in the crowd. We want to know one another. We want to be in relationship with each other. And so we thought, God, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to look at other space or other locations, God, or how all of this is going to play out. And so as we wrestled through that, we came up with this goal. We walked away with this goal of, God, we feel like this is what your spirit is saying. God, this is what you're challenging us with. And it's this right here. It's by the year 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. And I'll just tell you, church, I'm a little scared to say that this morning because that's a, it's a pretty big goal. It, even as we were there on that weekend, even through October, November, all these past months, like I've really thought, God, can I get up and can I say that, that, that you could do that through our church um, over the next five years? But this is what I want to challenge you with. This is the heart of this. It's not just some number on a screen. It's not just something that we can say, hey, it's kind of out there. We're shooting to this. This is what I believe God wants to do inside of our church. And I want you to hear this this morning. This is my dream. As I look out across this room, and I know some of your stories, my desire is that we would be sitting in this place five years from now, and that you would be able to look across the aisles, just look around the room right now, and you would be able to point at other people and say, you know what? I've been a part of their spiritual growth. Maybe people that aren't even in the room right now, someone that you've been praying for, a family member that you've been believing God to work in their life, students, a classmate that, you, that you've said, God, man, I wish I had a way to share my faith with them, that you would be able to look across the room and say, God, I've played a part in their spiritual growth. But not only have I helped them grow, now, because of what I've been able to walk with them, I've been able to read scripture, I've been able to pray with them, I've been able to instruct them, I've had difficult conversations of what it means to follow God. And now because I've done that, they're turning around and they're doing that with someone else. It not only impacted their life, but they're now going and they're now making disciples, they're increasing, they're building the kingdom of God. Maybe five years ago, they're not sitting in this room right now, but you're believing for them. And I believe that that's what God wants to do over the course of this five years. He wants to use your life and my life to fulfill this vision, to accomplish what it is that he's speaking, that our spiritual growth in our life isn't just impacting us, but it's impacting others and it's making a difference for those around us. That's what God is calling us to. Students in this room, what I've been praying this week as we've been praying and fasting, if you're a high school, maybe even in your early 20s, would you just lift up your hand? Just let me see you real quick, okay? Some of you guys in your early 20s, you're not wanting to admit it, are you? I just, I want you to hear this. This is my prayer for you. And I've been praying this almost every day this week as we've been fasting and praying together. It's that you would become spiritual grandparents. Yes. Now, not physical, okay? Let's just get that. That's not what we're talking about. 
But what I'm talking about is that your classmates, the person you sit in English with, the person that you sit in math with, the person that has a locker next to yours, that you would see them come to Christ and that you would walk beside them and help them grow spiritually and develop spiritually and mature in their faith. And then they would turn around and they would be able to do that with someone else. That's what we're seeing as a church. That's the vision that God has given us. I've been praying this week that in this room, God's gonna raise up some of you guys. You don't maybe even understand your full spiritual gifts or what God has placed inside of you. But over the course of the next five years, I believe this, God's gonna call some of you to be pastors. Some of you, you don't have it yet, but you're gonna be up here on the stage leading us in worship, preaching messages, helping us to plant other campuses, going to other locations in other communities. You're gonna take what God is doing here at NCC and you're gonna begin to spread that into other areas. That means that we're gonna need more spiritual leaders. You're not gonna be able to just sit in these seats anymore and just take in. You're gonna have to begin to pour out and say, God, you're calling me to rise up, to step up, God, to begin to step out because this is the dream that you're moving towards. God, this is what you're calling our church towards. Now, as we look at this, we don't get here because on January 12th, I stood up and I kind of presented this goal to you. We get here by each of us hearing God's spirit challenge our hearts that we're a part of this. This isn't Pastor Aaron's goal. It's not even the leadership of the church's goal. This is each and every one of us. And you may be saying, well, Aaron, this is my first time, or I've just been coming the past few weeks. You're here on purpose this morning. You're not here by accident, church. You didn't just come because this is typically what you do on a Sunday morning. God wanted you here because he's challenging your heart. He wants to place something inside of your spirit of what he wants to do in your life over the course of the next five years. And so I want you to turn to the person next to you and you're gonna challenge them with this statement. You're gonna say it like this. By 2025, you will be a part of making 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. Let's do that right now. Turn to someone next to you, begin to say that to them. Okay? Now we're gonna personalize this, okay? Because I want you to get this in your heart. So we're gonna substitute that with I, and you're gonna say this, by 2025, I will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. So say that, let's say that out loud together. By 2025, I will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. We're believing that, that God's gonna use us. And then I want all of us to say this just one more time out loud. And let me tell you this, I want you to say it with faith. I want you to say it with boldness. This is my thought is I'm going to ask my kids. I want our new kids up here in this room. I want them to be able to hear their parents, spiritual leaders in their life saying this out loud with faith. So let's say this one more time as loud as we can. Here we go. By 2025, we will make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses. So that's what we're believing God for. Yeah, let's celebrate that. Church, we're believing that that's what God is going to do inside of us. And as I just mentioned, your life is going to look different. My life is going to look different as we walk this out. And as we say, God, we believe that this is what you're calling us to, God. And this means change. This means transformation in us. And that's where I want to start at. Because as I begin to look at this kind of thought of, okay, God, what if, what if we could actually do this? What if we were here in 2025, God, and we're believing that, that you're going to do that in the life of our church. God, you're gonna use each and every one of us. God, you're gonna work inside of us. Where do we even start? And I know there's probably a lot of your questions like, 
How do I make a disciple? I've never done that before. How do I help other people make other disciples? Like, what does that even look like? And, and what does it mean for NCC not just to be here, but for God to use us in other locations and other places? And before we jump into any of that, I want to share something with you that God challenged me with. I've spent the past year just studying this over and over again in scripture, reading the gospels, reading about the life of Jesus just over and over again, looking at how did Jesus do this? When he was here on this earth, how did he make disciples? So many times we study what Jesus taught, the words that Jesus said, but we don't often just step back and examine how did he spend his time? How did he interact with the disciples? What was this model of living and what did he do while he was here on this earth? And so as I've studied this, as I've looked at other churches that do this, um, I came across this one video and I wrote this. If you're ever up in the staff office upstairs, you'll see this on the glass board. And it was this challenge right here. If we're going to look at becoming a disciple-making church, first we have to ask ourselves this question, is our life worth following? Is our life worth following? And that's the message that I want to bring to you this morning, where we're going to start this whole goal that God has placed in front of us, where we'll be from five years from now. Do we have a life that's worth reproducing? Do you have a life that's, I mean, that's a scary thought when I step back and I thought, okay, God, I'm going to be somehow connected with a thousand new people following you. And now they're walking with you, God. And is my life an example that they could follow? If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to start reading at verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there is a blue Bible in the seat in front of you, and you can turn to page 558 um, in that there. And I want to encourage you, I'm going to give you quite a few scriptures this morning. Some of these you can write down and you can look at later. We'll have the page numbers up there and you can follow along with us. But this is what's happening in 1 Corinthians there's this man named Paul who wrote much of the New Testament. And if you know about the life of Paul, this is someone who opposed Christianity. He opposed the church. He was responsible and he was a part of Christians being killed for their faith, Christians being imprisoned. He was trying to shut down what it was that God was doing through the church. And God gets a hold of his life and God transforms him. And Paul begins to go to different places and spread the kingdom of God and build the church. And then he writes letters. And that's what we have. These Much of the New Testament are the letters that Paul wrote to these churches. Now, the people in Corinth, okay, they came to Jesus with some issues. And when you read through this book of 1 Corinthians, you see this. There was um, sexual sins in many of their lives. There were issues of greed. There were issues of jealousy. They were getting drunk. There was all of this stuff. And Paul's saying, no, when you come to Christ, your life should be changed. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he ends that chapter by saying this, do everything for the glory of God. Don't think selfishly. Don't think about your wants and your desires, but I want you to live your life for the glory of God. Think about what it is that God wants and how Jesus lived. And then he begins chapter 11, verse 1, with this right here. And this is such a powerful statement, a bold statement. Paul says this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And I'm thinking, that's a crazy statement. Because in essence, what Paul is saying is the previous 10 chapters, when I've talked to you about what it means to live as a follower of Christ, when I've challenged you about the sin in your life, if you have any questions about what that looks like, just look at my life. Just look at who I am. 
Just look at what God has done inside of me. Follow my example. As I walk after Christ, you can look at my life. Church, can we say that? Could you go into your workplace and say, hey, if you want to know what Jesus was really like, just look at my life. Look at my relation. Look at how I am as an employee. Look at how I talk to my spouse if I'm married. Look at how I interact with my kids. If you want a picture of what God is like, hey, my life is an example. And I thought that is a scary thing to say. But that's the challenge, isn't it? When Jesus said, go and make disciples, he knew that he was calling us to, that he was challenging us to have a life that is worth reproducing. That what Jesus did for those three years with the disciples, now he's calling us to follow that example and that we could challenge others, hey, live like I am, walk like I am, study the scriptures, pray the faith that I have, the belief that I have, the way that I serve, the way that I love other people, just follow my example and you're gonna get a good picture of what Jesus was like. And that's what Paul is saying. And that's where I want us to start this morning with that challenge right there. Do we have a life that's worth reproducing? Do we have a life that we could go to others and say, hey, what God has done inside of me, if you'll just look at this example, you're gonna get off on the right track. You're, you're gonna see a picture of what Jesus was like. And as I begin to think about that, how do we have a life that's worth reproducing? Well, I think it's something that we've talked about all along the way here at NCC, and it's this right here, our vision statement, making people and places new. Church, that if we do that, if we allow God to do that inside us and through us, I think we're going to have a life that's worth reproducing. It's what we talk a lot about here at NCC, making people and places new. So let me just talk about that for a moment, see what God wants to challenge us as we look ahead at what God is calling us to making people and places new. Sometimes when we hear the first part of that, people being made new, you may be sitting here thinking, yeah, there's that classmate I have that really has a lot of problems and they're always getting into trouble. That coworker who's always jumping from relationship to relationship, um, that family member, right, who just can never get their life together. But that's not where this starts. When we're talking about people and places being made new, that that's our heart as a church, we're talking that starts right here first. So just look at the person next to you once again and say, you're people, okay? You're people. I don't know if you've thought about that. You're a person. When we talk about this heart of NCC, we're talking first off of what God wants to do inside of your life. How does God want to change you? How does God want to transform you? What is it that God's spirit is trying to do inside of you? And that's why Paul, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, when he's writing the second letter to this church that I just talked about where he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, he goes on to remind them, hey, the way that you're living, remember this, that if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation, that the old has passed away and the new has come. What Paul is saying is, I want you to understand this church in Corinth with all of your issues, with everything that you're going through, I want you to be reminded of this. And that's this truth right here, that if you've come to Christ, you're not the same person that you were before. You're not that individual. And the illustration that Paul gives you is he's saying, hey, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, if you've submitted to Christ, that person is dead You've buried them. They have passed away. That old person, they're gone now. And now that you've come into this relationship with Christ, you're a brand new creation. Think about it like a young baby and a toddler that's growing up and developing. 
They're learning how to talk. They're learning how to walk. They're learning how to interact with the world. Everything around them is new, right? It's a new experience. And that's what God is saying to us here in 2 Corinthians. He's like, this is what your life looks like. Church, it should be a dangerous thing if we follow God now for maybe months or for years and your life doesn't look any different or my life doesn't look any different. That's not what God is talking about. That's not a life worth reproducing. That doesn't get people's attention. What God is saying is, hey, I've tried to transform you. As you've come to me, I want to change you. I want to renew you. There should be people in your life that say, hey, you're not the same person you were two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. You've let go of something and you're different. I want to know what's happening in your life. That's what our life should look like. That's what makes our life contagious. And that's what makes our life reproducible is when we're saying, God, you can change us. You can transform us. The issue is that so many of us in church, we've not come and surrendered ourselves. We've just tried to take God and fit him into our life. We've tried to take God and add him to what we're already doing. And God, some of my life is good and some of my life is bad. And I think if I just come, if I come to church, God, and I try to do the right things, you're going to make everything better. And God's saying, no. He's saying, there's things in your life I've got to cut away. There's things in your life you can't do anymore. You've died to that. You buried that person. Don't keep on trying to hold on to them. You've got to let go of some of those things. I'm trying to make you new. That's what he's saying. That's a life that's worth reproducing. That's why Paul, when he writes to a different city, in the, the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Romans 12:1. he says it like this. Therefore, I challenge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because of what God has done in your life, because of the grace and the mercy of God inside of you, that you would offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. Or it may say, this is your act of service. And then he goes on to say this, do not continue to be conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't act like everyone else around you, but be transformed, be different, be changed by the renewing of your mind that you may test what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. What's Paul writing to them? He's saying, hey, church in Rome, I know you're in the epicenter of the world at that point. I know that there is Caesar and there's the emperor there, and they think they're God, and everyone's worshiping all of these different gods. You're not to act like them. You're not to be like them. You're to be different. I'm wanting to change you. I'm wanting to renew you. And so what does he challenge them? Well, every day you get up and you say, God, here's my life. I give it to you. God, I sacrifice my wants and my desires. And so I'm living, God, everything that I have, God, I offer it to you. I give it to you, Lord. I place it in your hands. I'm yours. This is how Paul is challenging the church. This is how you live now. And church, I would love to tell you that you respond in a moment. For some of you, it may have been decades ago, it may have been five years ago, it may have been within the past year that you come and you pray a prayer. It would be amazing if at that moment, everything was perfect in your life. Nothing bad ever happened again. You were never tempted to sin. You said everything right. Your attitude, your interactions, your thought life, everything was perfect. But that's not what Paul says. He says, you and I were a living sacrifice. My Bible professor, when he would talk about this, he would always laugh because he would say the problem with the living sacrifice is it keeps crawling away from the altar. And that's what we do. 
As much as we want to, sometimes we crawl off of giving God ourselves and saying, God, here I am. And so he said, it's got to be a daily process. It's got to be a daily thing. You can't just say, well, God, you made me new two decades ago. God, I'm so thankful for that. Thank you for what you've done. No, he's saying, what about today? What about in this moment? What about right now? How are you submitting your life to Christ? And church, I would give you this example that if you and I will allow God to transform us every day, that's a life worth reproducing. How could Paul say that? Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. It wasn't because he was perfect. If you read all of these letters, you see Paul is very honest about the struggles, about the sin that he has in his life, about the enemy coming and tempting him. It wasn't him saying, well, I'm perfect, so follow me. What he was saying is, I continually give my life to Christ. It's not that I've got everything right. It's not that I've got it all figured out. It's that every day I try to lay down my wants and desires. Every day I'm praying for God's spirit. God, you got to make me new. God, you got to change my patterns of thinking. God, I've got to be different today. I'm not resting on what you did last week or even last month or a few years ago. God, I need something from you today. And church, if we will do that, I promise you, your family members, your friends, your coworkers, students, those that you go to school at, they're going to look at your life and they're going to say, I want what you've got. That's a life worth reproducing. There's something inside of you that's contagious, and I want that. Church, if we will do that, if we will allow God to change us and transform us, it's gonna impact the places where we're at. Your work, your neighborhood, the apartment or the house that you live in, all of a sudden these places, the cities that we're in, they're going to look different. If we'll surrender our life to Christ, if we'll allow him to change us, that's why there's that second part of the vision statement that God not only makes us new, but the places where we're at, they're made new. You see this over and over again in scripture. If you still have your Bibles open in Acts chapter 5, verse 27. Acts chapter 5, verse 27, it says this right here. It's on page 533 in that Bible in front of you. There are two disciples, and this is after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus And they continue to go out. They begin to tell people about what Christ has done, about the salvation, the forgiveness that God um, invites us into, that relationship that God wants to have to us. And the religious people in Jerusalem, they don't like it. And so they beat them, they imprison them, and they tell them, we're telling you, do not speak of Jesus. Don't teach anyone in the name of Jesus anymore. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 27, this is what it says right there. The religious leaders are talking to them, and it says, when they had brought them... Together, they set them before the council. Those were kind of the religious leaders of that time. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in his name. Then look at this. Yet here you are, you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings. Now, just get this. These are uneducated men. That's what we read about in this book right here. These smart, learned guys, these academic people, they're like, How are you doing this? You didn't go on to, you're not far in your education. That's not what you did. You just followed Jesus around for three years, and now you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. I go to the marketplace. I talk to my neighbor. I go to my kid's sporting event. Everywhere that I go, people will not stop talking about Jesus. Look what you've done. You filled this entire city with your teaching. Church, if you have a life that's contagious, the places where you're at, they're going to be made new. That's why if you flip forward a few chapters in Acts chapter 17, you see something very similar with the life of Paul. In Acts chapter 17, verse 6, 
This is what's happening. Paul now is going into different cities. He's traveling around that entire area. He's building the kingdom of God. He's building churches. In Acts chapter 17, verse 6, this is what happens. He enters into a new city. People find out that he's coming, and they're frustrated. They're upset because this means that their God and the way of their living is being challenged by this new teaching that Paul is giving. And so they begin to look for Paul. And in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, it says this, when they could not find them, talking about Paul and his companions there, they dragged Jason and some of the other brothers before the city authorities, shouting this, these men have turned the world upside down. And now they've come here also. You guys, you're talking what started with 12 young men, probably teenagers and young adults, and then grew to 120, and then on one day grew to 5,000, and now the Roman Empire is saying, we don't know what to do with them. The leaders in these Greek cities, we don't know how to handle this. They're turning the world upside down. Rome began to lose control and lose its grip because of this grassroots movement of Christianity where people are like, I can't stop talking about him. He's changed me. He's made a difference. And now I'm living my life. Everything about my life is now focused in on him. Let me share one more with you. Acts chapter 19, verse 8 says this. Acts 19, 8, once again, speaking about Paul in a different city, he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when they became stubborn and continued in their unbelief, speaking evil of the way, that's the teachings of Jesus, before the congregation, Paul withdrew from them, and he took these disciples with him, reasoning daily in the halls of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. What happens? Paul goes into a city, he starts with a handful of disciples. And before two years are up, everyone's heard the word of the Lord in that entire region. Both the religious Jews and the unreligious, the Greeks. Everyone had heard the word of the Lord. Let me tell you, there are moments over the past few months as I've been thinking about this where I question, God, can I really get up and share this goal? Over five years, God, could we really make 1,000 disciples across three NCC campuses? And then I read verses like this, and I'm like, God, if you're a part of this, no problem. No problem, God. Can you imagine? You've turned the world upside down. You filled this entire city with this teachings. Everyone in that entire region of Asia, all of those cities, all of that entire area, they had heard the word of the Lord. They kept talking about it. They kept telling people about it. They were making disciples. They were reproducing. They had a life that was worth reproducing, and people saw it and they were impacted. And you guys, when you go back, and I was reading again this week, just looking at this, they brought down an entire empire, not by war, not by power, not by position, but just by sharing the love of Jesus, saying, hey, here's what God's done in my life. I want to walk with you. I want to help you. I want to help you grow. I want to help you know God. Walk beside, look at my life. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That's what God is calling us to. And church, I want to challenge you. If each of us will look at our life, it starts right here. God, do something in me. God, today I give you myself. Make me new today. God, change me and transform me today. Here's my life. God, it's a living sacrifice. How do you want me to live? If we will do that, we will end up with a life that's worth reproducing. And I want to tell you, this entire area will be changed. Our goal will be too small, not too large for what God can do through us 
if we'll simply submit to him, if we'll say, God, I'm yours. Let me leave you with one, illustri- one last illustration, and then I want to challenge us to respond here this morning. It's one of my favorite illustrations. It's of a young missionary. It's, written, it's a book written by a young lady named Mary Chapin. The book's title is Of Those of Whom the World Was Not Worthy. And she's compiled different missionary stories. And one of my favorite in that book is of a young missionary named Yaakov. And he goes into what is um, what was the former Yugoslavian area. And he's wanting to bring the story of Jesus, just the love of Christ, into a number of the villages there. The place where he's going has been devastated by war. There's famine, there's poverty. People are suffering. They've gone through so much. And the sad truth is, is the church caused a lot of it. There were these religious leaders, bishops and pastors in these beautiful garments, living these luxury, kind of lavish lives. And they had sponsored some of the war. They had sponsored the division and the pain that so many people had experienced in that area. And that's where Yaakov chooses to go. And so he begins to knock on doors and just talk to people about what they've gone through and about the love of God in their life. He knocks on the door of one man named Simmerman. And Simmerman comes to the door and Yaakov begins to talk to him. And he just asks him about what his life has been like and, and what's gone on. And then he brings the story around Yaakov does to the love of Jesus. And Simmerman just cuts him off. And he says, I don't want to hear about your Jesus I don't want to hear about your church. I know what those people are like. I see them in their beautiful buildings. I see those priests and those bishops in their long robes. And yet we have experienced pain and suffering by their hand. And even my own family members, they've died in the wars, in the battles that have happened. I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. And Yaakov is kind of taken back and he's, he's wanting to explain, how do I tell this man that that's not who Jesus is? That's not what Christians are like. That's not a good picture of the church and what God has dreamed for them. And so he tries to give him an illustration. He says, Simmerman, if you went out in your field to plant some crops and I snuck into your house and I stole your coat and I went into the city and I I took money from one of the businesses and I was running away and the police began to chase me, but I got away and all as they saw was your coat. And they came and they knocked on your door and they said, Simmerman, we're here to arrest you. What would you say? Simmerman would say, I tell them it wasn't me, it was someone else. But they would say, Simmerman, we saw your coat. We saw you running away. We identified it as you. Simmerman said, Yaakov, I know what you're trying to do. I get your illustration, but I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. And yet week after week, month after month, Yaakov kept coming and talking with him and building this relationship. Until one day after a few years, when he knocks on Simmerman's door, Simmerman comes out and he says, Yaakov, how do I have a relationship with this Jesus that you've told me about? And he gets down on his knees and Yaakov prays for him. And as Simmerman looks up, there's tears running down his eyes. And he says, thank you. Yaakov, you wear his coat very well. You wear his coat very well. And every time I hear that story, man, tears come to my eyes and I think, Jesus, that's what I once said about my life, Lord, that I have a life that's worth reproducing, God. When all of this is said and done, God, this isn't about numbers. This isn't about just a larger building or a larger church. God, this is about that what you've done inside of me, that I could somehow pass that on to someone else and they could experience your love. 
And church, that's our, my prayer for us, that over the course of this five years, that people would be able to look at your life and my life and say, you wear his coat very well. You represent Jesus in a different way that I've not seen before. I want what you have in your life. That's my prayer for us. Church, I wanna pray. And if you'd take a moment, maybe bow your head and close your eyes. And I just want you to reflect on what God's challenged us with. God has a big goal in front of us and it starts right here in our own hearts. It starts right here in our own lives. You may be sitting here this morning or maybe you're watching this online. And if you were to be honest, you would say, Aaron, I don't know if I've let God change me or transform me. Maybe you've come week after week or maybe you're newer to the church, but you're saying, Aaron, I need something to start, like you said, right here in my own heart and in my own life. And if that's you, I wanna pray for you this morning. Just as I mentioned, the Bible says that all of us that we've sinned, no one's perfect and we can't fix ourselves. It's only God's love. It's only his work inside of us that changes us and transform us. All that he asks is that we would submit ourselves to him. And if that's you with no one looking around, but you're saying, Aaron, would you just pray for me that that change, that transformation would happen in my life? Would you just lift up your hand and then you can put it back down? I wanna take a moment. Thank you. Thank you. I wanna pray for you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And I'm gonna lead out, but just right where you're at, I want you to take a moment and just in your own words, I want you to ask God to do that, to forgive the parts of your life that you've held onto, that you've allowed to stay alive and that God would help you to step into something new. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I'm praying that over each of our lives. And God, for those that raise their hand, God, you're speaking to us, Holy Spirit, and you're showing us things that we need to remove from our lives, God, that we need to let go of, that we need to release, God, so you can do something new. God, I pray, do that right now. Lord, in this moment, begin to change us, begin to transform us, God. Let us release those things that we've been holding on to, God, the old, and let us step into something new, God. Do that inside of each and every one of our hearts, God. Change us and restore us, God. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Church, can we just put our hands together for what God is doing inside of our lives? And then all of us are gonna respond um, by doing this. I'm gonna give us just a moment. And in the middle of the service, we have you take out this card. And if you cheated earlier and didn't grab it, go ahead and grab it now or take this in your hand. And you can see I was in the back. I, I wrote some things that I felt like God did through my life um, this, this past week. But now I want us to take a moment just in response and say, God, what I've just heard, God, this challenge to have a life that's worth reproducing, what does this next week need to look like? It could be a work of God inside of you. It could be getting rid of some things that you've been holding onto. It could be beginning to talk to a coworker. It could be looking and praying for those around you. I don't know what it is. I don't know what God's spirit is gonna speak to you, but we're believing this. God's gonna use each of us to multiply. And it starts in our hearts and then it begins to spread to others. So we're gonna take about 90 seconds. I'm gonna stop talking and I want you to just take a moment. I want you to listen to God's spirit and then I want you to write down, God, what is it this week? What can I do? God, what are you challenging me with? You may wanna take out your smartphone. You can do it on your smartphone if that's easier for you. But each one of us in this room, what does God challenge you with? How can you live out this vision of making people and places new? Let's take a moment. Let's do that together. 
All right. So we've been asked to just pray over the message that was given today, and clearly God has spoken in the direction that he wants our church to go in. And I shared this with the uh, first service, but I want to share it with you guys. Um, as I was sitting there in the first service and just asking the Lord, what are some things that you want us to pray over the church as we start to move forward? Um, I felt the Lord say that in order for this to happen, new people have to step up and step in, right? So that means that, just like Pastor Aaron said, a lot of us have been coming, but God's going to start moving us and saying, hey, you can't just come and receive. I'm calling you to do more because there's a greater blessing uh, waiting for you there. Uh, also, the Lord said, pray for what's gone dormant in some people's lives. For some of you, you have a history of serving. You have a history of being committed in some area, whether it was here at NCC or a different church. And at some point, we just kind of settled and just became, I don't know, for lack of a better word, stagnant. And so the Lord is saying, it's not that that gift is gone, it's still there. It's just gone dormant. And so we're going to pray in this season that God begins to bring that to life. Some of you were preaching at one point. Some of you were praying for people at one point. Some of you were ministering to kids at one point. And for some reason, we just let that go dormant. The other thing that the Lord said is pray for their minds to be transformed by the power of my word. Uh, he said, pray for boldness and courage that we step out and we're no longer secret Christians, right? But that people begin to look at our lives and they begin to say, that's a follower of Christ right there. Pray for people to daily give themselves as a living sacrifice. And this one got me. Pray against the lie of, I've tried living for Jesus before, but dot, 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 follow it. Or I've tried committing to my church before, but someone hurt me. Or it didn't turn out the way that I wanted. Or it didn't go the way that I thought it would go. Whatever follows that is I've tried committing my life to Jesus, but that's the lie that the enemy is using to paralyze you. Or I've tried committing to NCC at some point, but that's the lie that he wants to keep you. And anytime you try to step out, it's what he brings up and says, move back. Stay where you are. Don't do anything. Don't ruffle any feathers. Don't step out. And God is going to start calling us to get out of our comfort zone because, again, in order for this to happen, we have to start stepping out. And all of us taking this together and saying, this isn't the vision of pastor. And as he mentioned, the vision of the leadership, this is the vision of the whole church. Amen? Are you guys in agreement with me? So my lovely wife is going to pray. And if we can, let's go ahead and stand up. And I don't want this to just, I don't want to just hear my lovely wife praying. I love her. But I want to hear you guys praying as well. I want to hear your voices as we pray. So let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much that you trust us with your kingdom. You didn't have to make your plan that way, but you did. Your plan includes us, your church. We are your hands and your feet, and we are so thankful that you would trust us to be a part of that. I thank you for this vision that you've given NCC. I thank you for this church body. I thank you for each person that has come in in every capacity and is a part of building your kingdom. And I thank you for these next five years. We are so excited for what you're doing, for what you've planted in our hearts. This cannot be done without courage, Father, and we need you to fill us up with courage. Some of our hearts are beating at the idea of being put in positions of leadership, of being uh, the spotlight being on us as we're leading other people. But you, we, when we're weak, you are strong, and you work best when we step out of the way and we let you fill that void. So with arms just out, we say, Jesus, use us. Use us, and in the areas where we're scared that we're not enough, that we don't know enough, that we failed and people have seen us fail, in those areas, let us hand those over to you and just say, you do what you need to do because you're good at that. 
you are, your love works, your kingdom works, your plan works. And so we are just vessels. So we put ourselves in your hands and say, use us and give us courage when we're scared, when we don't know how to lead, when we don't know which way to go. Let us glance towards you and may you lead us, Father. I thank you, God for the leadership in this church and I thank you for where you're taking us and I pray God for those of us who just are scared I pray that we would look to your word and look to your spirit and say you give us that courage father we can do this together you are with us you've led the way and you've shown us how and you will not abandon us and so we just stand here in agreement saying that your kingdom works and we're with you Lord and we're standing here um, to advance your kingdom father we love you we thank you in Jesus name amen Thanks for listening to this week's message. This week, take some time and listen to God's voice as he speaks to you about how you can live out the vision of making people and places new, and then put that into practice this week. Here at NCC, we really are all about making people and places new, and so we wanna know how we can help you grow in your faith. Connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would love to hear from you.